Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. you could turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Amen. I want to say congratulations and welcome. I think um, Brother Yao and Sister Latesha, I think the baby has been here once before, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize that the baby was here, I should, is what I should say. But today the baby is here again, and we want to say congratulations. Two months late. But congratulations on the birth of a healthy baby. And where is she? Can we see her? Can, can you hold her up there real good for everybody to see how beautiful she is? Look at that beautiful little baby. Amen. Congratulations to Brother Yao and Sister Latesha. Amen. I know that these last four months, they, are, they started a new business right before all this broke out. Had a baby right in the middle of it. All of those are good things, but that's a lot of change in a short amount of time. And so we're happy for you all. Amen. Thank you for uh, being merciful to me. Last week, I went up to Brother Yao and said, hey, uh, when's the baby uh, due? And he's like, the baby's been here, Pastor. Two months the, pe- the baby's been here. So I apologize with everything going on. Uh, that's my only excuse. But congratulations to you all. Thank you. Amen, for being committed to the church and the body of Christ during this time. Amen. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 24. The Bible says it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts, his entire army, and went up and besieged Samaria. There was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it. Till an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Amen. Go down with me now, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear the word, hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Now that, in the way that it's translated in English, doesn't sound too bad. What he's saying is even God couldn't do that. The prophet said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering into the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? Amen. And I want to preach for just a little bit on this beautiful Sunday morning, on this one word topic this morning, the theme, until. Amen. Everybody say, until. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. 
The story that we're following as we read in a portion from 2 Kings 6 and then entering into 7, the story culminates in chapter 7, verses 17 through 20, where the prophetic words that are uttered by Elisha will come to fruition. But the story begins all the way back in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. And if I were you today, I would underline, I would highlight, I would put stars in my Bible throughout 2 Kings chapter 7. In fact, I, I did that if one of the cameras were able to this morning. I'm not going to ask him to. It would probably uh, be more effort. But I would show you that I did that myself as I began to prepare. I highlighted all of chapter 7. I got the boldest yellow highlighter I had and I highlighted chapter 7. And if I were you today, I would highlight chapter 7 as well. Amen. Whatever I had to do, highlight it, underline it, whatever you've got to put Go buy some little gold stickers from Hobby Lobby. Put them all around chapter 7. Whatever I, have, I would have to do to make that chapter jump off the page and slap me in the face every time that I came anywhere near that chapter, I would want it to jump off the page of me. Because this portion of Scripture is more than just a 4,000-year-old history lesson. This is a template for the miraculous fulfillment of the promises of God in impossible times. Amen. This is the fulfillment. It is a template for how God will bring his promises to pass when it looks like it could never happen. When there are voices that are saying even God couldn't do it, 2 Kings chapter 7 is a template for how God can do it, has been doing it, and will do it. In the middle of a famine, in 2 Kings chapter 7, the prophet says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, and then delivers a promise of wheat and barley. And what you can do, the reason I say this is a template today is because in the middle of a famine, in the middle of uncertain times, that you can take whatever promises God has spoken over you, over your family, over this church, over this community, over this nation, over this world, and you can take out wheat and barley, and you can put your promise right in there, and you can have an assurance that God is going to bring it to pass. Amen. It may not be wheat and barley. I don't know about you today, but I don't really need a miracle of wheat and barley. I've, I've not really ever felt the need for a, a miracle of wheat and barley. But instead of wheat and barley in your life today, it might be a miracle of faith and salvation for somebody in your family. It might be a miracle of strength and healing. It might be a miracle of provision. It may be a miracle of a breakthrough. But if you'll take 2 Kings chapter 7 and plug your promise into that passage, I want you to know that God is going to reveal himself. It is a template for the miraculous in times of impossibility. But before we can move into the chapter 7 fulfillment of the promise, we've got the first deal with the chapter 6 dilemma. And so I didn't just highlight chapter 7 because some of us like to live in the highlights. But I would, I've also underlined chapter 6 starting at verse 24 and going to the conclusion because how many of you have lived long enough 
to know that you can't just live in the highlights. Amen. Amen. You can't just live in the highlights. You can't just live in the fulfillment of the promise, but you've got to endure the underlining. Amen. You've got to endure the, the struggle that it takes to get to the fulfilling of the promise. So let's read beginning in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 24. The Bible says it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts. He didn't just get a small army. He didn't get a battalion or two. He didn't just get the army or the navy or the air force. He got every regiment of the military that he had at his disposal. And he brought them down to the capital city of Samaria, Damascus. And there he encamped his army around this city. He encamped his army around the, this place where the people were gathered. He be, the Bible says he besieged Samaria. The word besiege is to surround. And it is a military strategy of constricting whatever is within that encampment. It, it is a military strategy to, to cut off the supply line. To cut off all the sources. It's, it cuts off not just the source coming in, but it also cuts off any line of escape going out. So it cuts off any message that might be able to get out to summons help from the outside world. It is a military strategy of constriction to ensure that nothing is coming in and nothing is going out. And the entire Syrian army comes against the capital city of Samaria and they constrict that city. They cut off their supplies. Amen. And we go on in verse 25 and it says there was a great famine in Samaria and behold they besieged it until. Everybody say until. until. Now commentaries suppose and suggest that this constricting of Samaria, this constricting of the capital of Samaria could have been a time period anywhere from multiplied months to even a couple of years. The strategy of King Syria. And I think it relevant at this time to share that his name, Ben-Hadad. King Ben-Hadad means, first of all, the first part of that name, that hyphenated name, Ben, means son. Ben simply means son. But Hadad means noise. Some variation of that name could also mean, mean thunder or a loud noise. And so King Noise comes and begins to constrict the city of Damascus. King Noise was focused upon destruction of Damascus and his inhabitants. And he used an until strategy. Amen. He said, I'm going to besiege this city until. Amen. King Noise said, I'm going to surround this city until. Amen. And by the way, within the city... Not only were there citizens, but there were also kings. The king of Israel was inside the city of Samaria, and there were prophets inside of the city as well. And so I would say to you today that it isn't just one or two of us going through this, but everybody is in the middle of this circumstance. Everybody is going through this thing together. But the enemy had a constricting strategy with an until outlook. If you're taking notes, that might be one you would want to write down. The enemy had a constricting strategy with an until outlook. Amen. Can I tell you today that while I'm not here to give glory to the devil, 
I'm not here to give more credit to the devil than he deserves. I'm not here to give more credence to the noise that the enemy is making. But I want to tell you today that we are up against a constricting enemy that has an until outlook. Has anybody ever tried to argue with somebody that just would never give up? Amen. I, 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 would, I, would, I would rather argue against somebody smarter than me that would give up than argue against somebody that I might be smarter than that will never give up. Because the point is you might win against somebody smarter that will give up. And, and you may not win against somebody that you might, might be smarter than, but they've got an until outlook. And you cannot win against somebody who has an until outlook. He said, I, I, I'm just going to keep arguing until you quit. I, I, might, I might not have a better argument, but I'm, I'm going to have the last say. Amen. I'm going to be the one who throws the last punch. I'm going to be the one who gets you in the last grip. And, and you can't beat somebody who has an until outlook. Amen. And the king of Syria, King Benedad, King Noise is what I call him. King Noise comes with a constricting strategy and an until outlook. Amen. The king of Syria besieged them until the economy was destroyed. He said, I'm, good. I'm just going to begin to wrap my arms around you. I'm going to begin to besiege this city. No mail getting out. No, no internet signal getting out. Amen. No food coming in. And I'm just going to keep constricting until your economy is ruined. I'm just going to keep constricting until there's no hope left inside the city. I'm going to keep constricting until there's no food left in the city. Amen. And the Bible says that King Noise constricted the city until the city was in a famine condition. Amen. And I want to very quickly just share with you that there are three perils of famine. And I've shared this before uh, long enough ago that you probably won't remember it. So I'll share it again. Most pastors, there's about a two-week time limit, right? After two weeks, you can preach it again, and most people won't, re won't remember it. <laughs> I mean, you can just change the, t the title of the sermon. Everybody's like, Pastor, that was the greatest sermon you ever preached. So I would just preach it three weeks ago. You don't remember them. First of all, the three perils of famine, first of all, are a perverted appetite. Perverted appetite. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible shares with us what is on the menu in Damascus. Amen. Hopefully it's not on the menu where you're going for lunch today. The menu consists of dove's dung, donkey heads, and boiling their own children. Amen. I'm certain the third one would not be on the menu where you're going today. Hopefully the first two are not either. The menu, what is on the menu, what people are paying for to be able to eat are dove's dung, donkey heads, and their own children. In what world and on what planet does that sound like a valid menu? But that is what a famine condition will do to your spiritual being. That is what a famine condition will do to your mental being. It will begin to create a perverted appetite in your life. You will begin to have a hunger for things that God did not create you to have a hunger for. 
Amen. That the enemy knows that if I can just constrict you until, uh, until I can diminish your spiritual life into a place of famine, uh, you will begin to long for things uh, that you have no business longing for. Uh, amen. We stop hungering for the milk and honey of a promised land, uh, and we start hungering for the dove's dung uh, of Canaan land. Uh, I want to tell somebody today, uh, you better get beyond a perverted appetite uh, and get you a fresh hunger for the word of God. The peril of the famine is will give you a perverted appetite. The second peril of a famine is it will bring you to a place where you treasure trash. In the time of famine, the economy gets all out of whack. They were giving away 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head and five pieces of silver for dove's dung. Now, depending on what commentary you read, dove's dung is a lot of different things. Some say that dove's dung is like a, uh, the, the remnant of, uh, of the worst harvest of wheat that you might have, or, or barley that you might, it's stuff nobody wanted. I'm going to take the word of God literally, all right? Many commentaries say dove's dung, you don't have to read into it, it's dove's dung. It's what you would, you know, it's, it, it's, it's dove's dung. Whatever it was, the commentaries agree it was worthless. It had no value. Under normal circumstances, you, you, you wouldn't give any amount of money for dove's dung. Under normal circumstances, you wouldn't give any amount of money for a donkey's head. That's the part of the animal that is discarded because it's worthless. But under in a famine economy, this is one of the perils of economy. We begin to treasure things in our lives that don't even have any business being in our lives. We begin to fight for things that never even were intended by God to be a part of our life the preacher gets up and starts touching on some things in our life and we become defensive when the, the fact is that shouldn't even be a part of your world it shouldn't be even in your conversation let alone defending that you should have discarded that thing a long time ago Preacher gets up and starts preaching against same-sex marriage and people get all defensive. Can I tell you what's happened? You're in a famine mentality and you're treasuring trash. That shouldn't even be in your conversation. That shouldn't even be in your mindset. That shouldn't even be in your dialogue. But that's what happens in a famine mentality. We begin treasuring trash. And the third peril of a famine is we start making long-term decisions from a short-term perspective. In 24 hours, the famine will be over. And what seemed like a right decision to a mama who decided to boil her son. In short-term perspective, she decided the best thing that I can do right now is boil my child and split him with my neighbors so we can make it another day. That is a short-term perspective. If she would have just waited 24 hours, I have to believe that 24 hours, Brother Roberts, later, when the Syrian camp is besieged and God overturns it and there's food for everybody, I believe most people are enjoying their food, but I believe that mama who just 24 hours before 
poor, boiled her baby, was sitting in the corner dealing with guilt and remorse. Why? Because I made a short, I made a long-term decision from a short-term perspective. I want to tell you right now, I said it last week, but I want to say it again. Be careful of the decisions that you make in a season of doubt. Well, I'm just going to stop going to church right now. I'm just going to stop serving God. When COVID is over, then I'll start serving God. Be careful making a short-term perspective decision that's going to have long-term ramifications. How much guilt, how much remorse, how many sleepless nights did that mother have to suffer because she made a long-term decision from a short-term perspective. But I've come today to tell you that just like King Noise did, the enemy in your world will besiege your world. He has a constricting strategy, and he's got an until outlook. He's got an until perspective. He's not too upset about your Sunday morning shout. He's not too upset if as a new convert you bless the Lord with everything that is in you because he knows that over time he'll begin to wear down your faith. He's not too worried if you shout on Sunday as long as you're back in the club on Friday. He's not too worried about your shout on Sunday morning as long as you're back in the bed on Friday night with somebody you shouldn't be there with, by the way. Because the enemy has an until perspective. He's not too worried about what you do on Sunday. It's more about where you're at on Tuesday. And it's more about where you're at on Thursday. Until, somebody shout until, 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 until. And too often the determination of the enemy for my destruction is greater than my determination for my deliverance. The enemy says, I'll just wait until. The enemy says, I'll just constrict you and I'll just keep that. I won't do it suddenly because if I did it suddenly, you'll slip out of it. If you knew that I was trying to destroy your family, if you knew that I was trying to destroy your faith, you would slip out of it and you'd run to an altar and get right with God. So I'll just slowly begin to constrict you and I'll stay there until the life is choked out of you. And the enemy has an until perspective. All of the noise of the enemy begins to constrict. If you could get in, the, in your mind right now the image of a boa constrictor. As I began to study this, that is the image that I began to pick up. And I don't like even visualizing snakes. But to study for this, I had to watch a few YouTube videos from the other side of the room. That boa constrictor slowly slips around, wrapping itself around the prey. Slowly begins cutting off the supplies of blood and oxygen. I watched the video as a scientist demonstrated. And they tell me today we're supposed to trust the scientists. And yet I saw a scientist willingly put a serpent around his neck. Sorry, I'll take my chances elsewhere. If that's supposed to be the guy telling me what smart is, I'll take my chances somewhere else. But this scientist slowly allowed this boa constrictor to slip itself around his neck. And he began talking as the camera was rolling. And that boa constrictor had to be 
I don't know, every bit as big around as, uh, from the circumference of my shoulders. That boa constrictor wrapped itself around his neck and he began talking. And he said, every time I breathe out, that boa constrictor just takes a little bit tighter of a grip. And every time I breathe in, it just kind of sits there and waits for me to breathe out again. And then it gets its grip a little bit tighter. He said, this snake isn't in a hurry. It's slow and methodical about what it's doing. He said, but it won't be too long from now. And my supply will be cut off and I'll be rendered unconscious and then I will be the prey. I will be the meal of the serpent. I want to tell you today the devil is not in a hurry. Amen. The devil is not in a hurry. Another research project revealed that for years they thought that the boa constrictor the way that it killed its prey was by cutting off the oxygen. But they said later studies that they have done shows that it's not the oxygen that really kills the prey, but it's that the cessation of the blood flow. That that predator, that, that boa constrictor will slowly wrap itself around the prey and, and slowly begin to constrict itself until all of the blood supply is cut off. Can I tell you the enemy is working to cut off the supply of the blood into your life. He's working to keep you away from from an altar. He's working to keep you away from an old rugged cross. He's working to keep you away from nail-pierced hands because the enemy knows if I can just keep you out there until... If I can just keep you away from the altar long enough, if I can just keep you out of the altar, if I can just keep you there until... That's why you need to make it a habit every Sunday come to an altar. Whether I need it or not, and the truth is I need it, whether I know I need it or not, I'm going to find my way to that crimson stream of blood. I'm going to find my way to Calvary's fountain. I'm going to find my way to nail-pierced hands because Satan, king of noise, you may be trying to cut me off from the supply of blood, but I'm going to stay under the blood. You can't get so holy that you don't need the blood. You can't get so righteous that you don't need the blood. The enemy has a constricting strategy with an, an, an until outlook. He is in no hurry for your destruction. And some of us, that's the greatest tactic of the enemy is we think because... Our past failure didn't destroy us, that we're okay. That because the enemy didn't destroy us there, and he didn't destroy us there, and because that didn't trip us up, and because somehow we made it through that, that we must be all right. And so the enemy is saying, don't worry. I know you think you got by with that one. I know you think you got by with that one. And I know you think that one was no big deal. But I'm just waiting until... And we find that while... The noise, while King Noise had an until outlook. I want to contrast that with the outlook of the king of Israel who was dwelling within the capital city of Israel. 
The two times within chapter 6 that we find the king speak, both times his statements begin not with when, but with if. Verse 27, the woman comes to him that is boiled her son, and she says, King, what do I do? And the king's response is not when God brings us through this, but rather it's an if. In verse 31, the king is speaking again, and he says, If the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, stand on him this day, and I know I'm taking Taking a little bit of liberty with the context this morning, but I want to reveal to you the danger of trying to war against an enemy who has an until outlook when you have an if mentality. The enemy says, well, I'll just constrict you until, and you say, well, I'll praise God if, if God heals my body, if God delivers my family, if God does this, that, or the other, then I'll pray. You are doomed for destruction if you fight an enemy with an until outlook, with an if perspective. Well, if they sing my favorite song. And the enemy is just saying until. Well, if the preacher preaches a good sermon today, I'll come down to the altar and the enemy is just saying until. It's all right. You go ahead and play hot potato with your spirituality. Some Sundays you're up and some Sundays you're down. I'm just going to keep the pressure on. And one of these times the blood is going to get cut off and I have you right where I want you. Come on, somebody. It's time for the church to flip the script on the enemy. It's time for the church to turn things around. Amen. Devil, you're not the only one that can get an until mentality. I've also got an until mentality. There's no if and when in my worship. I'm going to praise him until. I'm going to worship him until. I'm going to bless him until. Well, when they come up with a cure for COVID, then I'll give God, oh, the devil is a liar. Until they come up with a cure, I'm going to keep on praising him until. It's never been more important than it is in this hour that you get an until in your spirit. You need to recognize that constricting enemy that is introducing you to perverted appetites. And you're beginning to treasure trash. And you're making long-term, even eternal decisions from short-term situations. You need to wake up because the enemy has got an until mentality. And you had better get one of your own. I wonder, does somebody have an until mentality today? Do you have an until praise? Do you have an until worship? Do you have an until song in your soul? Until I get to heaven, I like it. Come on, somebody. Until there's no more breath in this body, I'm going to praise him. Until I take my last breath, I'm going to bless his name. Until I've got no more money in my bank account, I'm going to keep giving. Until I've got no more strength in my body, I'm going to keep on praising. Well, 
You know, Pastor, if there's a change in administration in November, if we vote the other guy in or we vote my guy in, then I'll get back where I need to be in God. What you don't know is the devil's already got you because the devil's causing you to think that your source is something other than it is. He's cutting you off from the supply. Your source is the blood. Nope, I'm going to praise him until November. And when November comes and goes, I'm going to praise him until the next four-year election. And after that, I'm going to praise him. I don't care who's in office. I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. I will bless the Lord at all Some of you need to slip out of the grip of the enemy. The devil's telling you that he's constricting you and cutting you off. You need to let the devil know you're not the only one with an until outlook. I've got one too. I'm going to keep praying until my children are saved. I'm going to keep praying until my backslidden spouse is saved. I'm going to keep praying until my community is saved. I'm going to keep worshiping until. I'm going to keep praising until. King Noise, you're not the only one that can make some noise. You better get if out of your vocabulary. Well, I'll praise God if I feel like it. Well, you're already done. If you've got an if in your vocabulary and you're up against somebody who's got an until in their vocabulary, you will lose. Not sometimes, not most times. Every time you will lose to somebody who is already made up in their mind. You may punch harder than me, but I'm going to get back up more times than you. You will lose. You may be bigger and badder than me, but if I've already determined that I'm going to keep getting back up, you will lose. Get if out of your vocabulary. When I come to church on Sunday, there is no if connected to my praise. Well, if I feel like it, Pastor. If if the thermostats are working and both of the units are working together and it's 68.3 degrees in, I'll pray. Get if out of your vocabulary and get until back in your vocabulary. If you're having trouble in your marriage, don't say, well, I'll praise him if God works it out. Say, I'm going to praise him until God works it out. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm trying to help you. There is a miracle coming, but you've got to get an until into your vocabulary. If you get if into your vocabulary, you will see the miracle, but you will not partake. You will see the miracle, but you will not taste of it. It's only for those who say, until. It's time for the church. Every family. Well, pastor, you got to. No, I, I, I don't got to do anything, but I'm going to until. Every family, every man, every woman. See, some of us want to remove ourselves from responsibility of praise and worship because we don't have a certain title within the church connected to our name. The call to praise and worship is not attached to your title or position. 
It's called to your position as a child of the king. As a, as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ who has been bought by the blood, you have a responsibility to worship him until he returns for his church. Job had an until in his spirit. Job chapter 14, verse 13, he said, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave. Job is having a bad day. Anybody ever felt like that? God, that you would just hide me in the grave. That thou wouldest keep me secret. God, don't brag about me. That's what Job is saying. God, you started bragging on me and look what I'm going to Just keep me a secret. God, let, me, let my relationship with be a little secret. Until thy wrath be passed. That thou wouldest appoint me a set time and then remember me. After all the storm is over, God, then you can brag on me again. He's saying, I just wish this struggle would pass over. I wish this trial would move on. I would really, 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 really like to not be going through what I'm going through. Is it? Can I get an amen in the house? But he goes on in verse 14 and says, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my life appointed time will I wait until my change comes. Job said, I don't like what I'm going through, but I've got an until in my spirit. I'm going to keep on praising him. I'm going to keep on trusting him. Is there anybody today that's going through a few things you wish you weren't going through? You better get an until in your spirit. I don't like COVID-19. I don't look like what it's doing in the church. I don't like what it's doing in the world. I don't like it at all. But I got to get an until in my spirit. Come on, somebody, until my change comes. Here's another until in the Bible. We know this, when they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is an until. God, I'm just going to keep on waiting. I'm going to keep on waiting. Amen. I might be going through it, but I got an until in my spirit. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Luke 24 and 49, Jesus said to his disciples, Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I'm telling you, it's time to get until back in the vocabulary of the church. It's time to get if and when out of our vocabulary. It's time to get if out of our praise dialogue. And it's time to get an until back into the praise language of the church. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, Rejoice evermore. That means worship without ceasing. Praise, that's, that's an until. Get an until in your worship. Pastor, you're always up front dancing. You're always up front. I, I pray that I, if I weren't the pastor, I pray that I would still be doing that. How long, pastor, are you going to do that? Well, until. I'm going to keep praising him until these legs won't do it anymore. Until these arms can't lift anymore. Until this breath won't speak the name of Jesus anymore. That's how long I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it until. Come on, somebody. You need to rejoice evermore. You need to get an until back in your praise. You need to get an until back in your worship. Get the if and then out of your praise. And get an until. Evermore. Pray without ceasing. 
That's an until. Get rid of the if and then in your prayer life. Well, God, I'll pray if, you know, if it's sunny and 70 tomorrow when I get out of bed, I'll pray. Lord, if COVID-19 disappears, I'll pray like I used to pray. You've got to get if and then out of your prayer dialogue. And you've got to get an until back into your mouth. Amen. Daniel said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Every time that the sun rises, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray in the evening. Well, well, Daniel, the king made a decree. You better stop praying. Daniel said, no, I'm going to pray until. I'm going to pray until. And because Daniel had an until in his mouth with his prayer, God, God, shut the mouth of the lion. Let me tell you, miracles are coming, but they're only coming to those that pray with an until. And in everything, give thanks. Well, I am thankful for the pay raise. I'm thankful for the the check that they sent out couple months ago, I'm ready for the next one, but I'm thankful for the last one. And I'm thankful for this and that, but if and then. But Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, you've got to get an until in your thanksgiving. You've got to just keep thanking God until. You've got to thank him for the good and you've got to thank him for the bad. You've got to thank him for the mountains and you've got to thank him for the valleys. Uh, come on, somebody, I'm telling you, we've got to get gratitude back in the church. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm going to thank you until. Uh, I'm going to thank you until I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm going to thank you until I can't thank you anymore. Uh, I'm going to thank you until I walk on streets of gold. Uh, I'm going to thank you until the blessing comes. Uh, I'm going to thank you until the miracle comes. In everything, give thanks. I want you to stand on your feet right now, and I just want you to begin to give God some until thanks. Don't just thank him for the pay raise. Don't just thank him for the new outfit. Thank him for the one, the shoes that have a hole in the bottom of them. Don't just thank him for all the good things that are going on. Thank him for the stuff you haven't figured out yet. Don't just thank him for the vaccination that somebody's going to bring. Thank him for the virus. Thank God for everything. In everything, give thanks. Here's the declaration that I make even as that boa constrictor. Even as King Hadab with that constricting strategy, uh, with that, all that noise that the devil is making, uh, putting the grip around the necks of the church, uh, around good people that come to this church week after week. Uh, and he's saying, don't worry until uh, the devil is saying, I may not, I, I, I'm just going to outlast you. Uh, hey, you may be dancing on Sunday, but I remember where you were last Friday. Uh, and so I'm just going to keep the pressure on. Here's what I came to let King Noise know today. King Noise, you may outlast me, outloud me, but you will not outlast me. <laughs> Amen. King Noise, King Hey Dad, you make more, may make more noise than I do. But you won't outlast me. I think it was David said, oh... All the days, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire His temple. One thing, if I desire the Lord that I may 
dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It's an until in your spirit. Right now, Benadad is making a lot of noise in our world. He's putting the pressure. He's got the constricting move. Brother Roberts, get ready. I'm, I'm almost done. You guys are good. I just want to, because the question is how, that, that's, that's great hype preaching, Pastor, that we need to turn things around. How do we do that? How do I flip the script on the enemy who is constricting my worship, constricting my praise? How do I, how do we overcome an enemy that's got every supply route? How do I outlast an enemy that has all of my supply routes cut off? I can't even get a word out. How do I outlast that? How do I get an until? How do I flip the script? Brother Robert, start reading it. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Hold on, hear ye what? Here's how we're going to flip the script. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Go on. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. As long as you keep listening to King Noise and what King Noise is saying. As long as you keep listening to King Noise, the pressure is going to get stronger. The grip is going to get tighter. And King Noise is saying until... He's got all my supply routes cut off. I'm not getting anything in and I can't get anything out. Every supply route is cut off, but hear the word. Go ahead. Tomorrow, tomorrow. about this time, there's a prophetic shall utterance. a measure of fine flour tomorrow about this time shall be, a sold be sold for a shekel. A shekel. And, and two measures of barley. Two measures of barley. For a shekel. God said, I'm about to turn that. All oh, your tr your treasure trash. I'm about to turn it around. Amen. That appetite, perverted appetite. I'm about to turn it around. Go ahead. In the gate of Samaria. Uh huh. Then the Lord, yep. on whose hand the king leaned, uh -oh. careful, answered the man of God. What did he say? And said, Behold, if the Lord, if the Lord, if wouldn't, if 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 if, be careful. Come on, I'm Lord, talking to somebody right now. Get the if out of your mouth. Go ahead. If the Lord God can't even would make it. windows in heaven, might this thing be? Huh. If, 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 go ahead. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes. But why? But thou shalt not eat thereof. Why? Because you got an if in your vocabulary. Because you came to church with an if in your mind. You don't have an until mentality. You've got an if mentality. And because you got an if mentality, don't you worry. I'm going to do what I said I would do, but you won't partake because you got an if mentality. Go ahead. And there were four leprous men. Hold on. So a lord, a lord, a man of pedigree and cloud and financial wealth and authority and influence gets nothing because he had an if, but now we've got four lepers. At the entering in of the gate, uh -huh. and they said one to another. What did they say? Why sit we here Wait, until, what's the next word? Until. Until. Four lepers got an until in their mouth. And because they got an until in their mouth, God turned things around. It's not your influence. It's not your wealth. Come on, you got to get it out of your mouth. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Listen, 
when you look through these natural eyes and you listen to king noise it looks like all of my sources are cut off but then the prophet stands up and says don't worry king because those aren't your source anyway yes they may be a supply line but they're not your source they've never been your source the word of the lord is your source And it may feel like right now everything that is supplying your faith has been cut off. But those have never been your source. Jesus is your source. The word of the Lord is your source. Why sit we here until? Why sit we here until? Come on, you've got to get an until in your mouth. I will lift up mine eyes to the, my help's not coming from all the supply lines out there. Come on, come on, King of Israel, you got to understand. I know right now you fit all that King Noise is telling you that it's over. We've got all of your supply lines cut off, but I need you to get your eyes off of your supply routes and get your eyes on Jesus. I will lift up mine eyes. unto the hills from which cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord I'll tell you who's going to win this battle it's who's got a greater until you are the enemy that's trying to destroy you some of you think that you've outsmarted the devil that you figured out a way to play the part of a Christian and still be ungodly at the same time make no mistake you haven't fooled the enemy every time you breathe out he tightens that grip a little bit stronger but you've got to get something in your spirit on this Sunday that says God I'm making up in my mind on this Sunday morning that until they put my body in a box and roll it to the front of the church come on until they put my body in a box and they dig a hole six feet deep and put me in it every time the doors are open I'm going to be in the house of God every time there's an opportunity I'm going to praise your name every time I've got a chance I'm going to dance in the presence of the Lord every time I've got a chance I'm going to sing I know it looks it looks like we're surrounded it feels that constricting strategy of the enemy is being released on the church it's being released not just on the citizens the saints but on preachers upon it's it's on the whole congregation it's on everybody say it's on all of us I'm gonna tell you if you'll get an until in your spirit listen if you got an if in your heart you're not gonna make it I'm, I'm not trying to be mean right now, but some of you right now, you got you let the enemy slip an if into your vocabulary. And you're making some conditions with God. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. God, if you work this out, then I'll commit my ways unto you, Lord. God, if this, that, the other happens, then, then I'll be faithful to church. I'll be faithful to the house of God. The devil's got an until.
wants to raise our hands all across this room. The enemy wants to cut you off from the blood. Well, I don't really need the altar, Pastor. I, I don't really need that altar. I don't really need Calvary. I don't really need the cross. I don't really need blood-stained hands. I don't need all of that blood running down a pierced, a, a, a spear-pierced side. I don't need all of that. I, I just need the presence of God. I just need a place where I can, where I can inhale and exhale the presence. But, but, but the latest, the latest studies have said it's not just the air being cut off. It's when the blood gets cut off. The old songwriter said, "When gloom and sadness whisper." You sin, no use to pray. I look away to Jesus, and He tells me to say, I see a crimson stream. You know, here's what I'm going to do, Reese. I may not be perfect, but here's what I'm going to do I'm going to keep running back to the blood until. I'm going to keep getting under the blood until there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You know what I'm going to keep doing? Angelina, every Sunday I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to be here until. You want to know why Sister Bush conquered and overcame? You want to know how she overcame things that people looked at her and, and, and would say, Sister Bush, how you doing? And every time her words were what? I'm not going to complain. Why? Because she had an until in her spirit. So I know today they, they, they move chairs around. I'm asking some people that have an until in their spirit to, to flood this altar space. Whatever you need to do to give yourself ample spacing, come up on the platform. But, but church of the living God, you need to understand King Noise has a constricting strategy and an until outlook. And you've got to get an until outlook of your own. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.